0: then you've come to the right place. There are so many exciting opportunities in this dynamic sector, and I'm looking forward to pulling back the curtain and sharing them with you. Welcome to the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, and I'm your host, Jerry Alexander. This show is all about commercial property investing for the private investor. Whether you're just getting started or scaling up your portfolio, through interviews, tips, and lessons learned along the way, we want to give you the inspiration, knowledge, and confidence to enjoy this great cash flowing strategy. Welcome back, and thanks for joining me on the Commercial Property Investor podcast. So, I've actually been thinking about this for a while. I've not really done any project related podcasts for a while, and we've been doing loads and loads of work in the background on projects. So, What I'm going to do is give you an update today on Salt House. It's our latest purchase and development. It's 35,000 square feet, which is reasonably big for us. And effectively, it's two buildings joined together by an atrium. The south building... It's actually already occupied, which is fantastic. And the north is kind of our playground. That's the bit we're developing out because it's been vacant for quite a while. The actual building was built in 1991 or at least finished in 1991 for our favourite business partners, HMRC. That's right. It's the or was the local tax office. <laughs> but as I say, it's been vacant for a good number of years. In fact, the way that deal was done originally, when it was sold, was the company that bought it bought a whole load of buildings on a sale and lease back. So HMRC stayed in there, and then eventually they disbanded and moved, I think over to Cumberland or somewhere else. But basically, the person or the company that bought all of that stock ended up with some buildings with no tenants. So in time, they've rented out the South Wing to four different businesses. So they split it up a bit and this other wing they couldn't do anything with. It was empty. They weren't willing to divide it up as much as we are and it gave us an opportunity. Anyway, point is, fast forward a bit, we've now got it to a stage where our first nine spaces and our business lounge are just hitting the market. It's a bit of an evolution from our last project and each time we learn and implement new things that we've learned from each project, right? So there's two key driving change things or improvements for us that, that drive those changes and improvements, sorry. The first thing is, as I say, the learnings from each project. So that might be design, it might be layout, it might be something to do with the actual tech and the stuff we're using. And then the second thing that changes are product and improves it is the changing customer demand so every time we move on to a new project you've learned what's happened on the last one but also you're learning from those customers now every project for us is different every building has been different because we do refurbs all the time we don't build new so we have a different uh, we don't have a, a standard template that we build we have a different building we've got a different setup every time we have to design it out but there's a lot of common things there right and i think that the customer demands are changing all the time and that some of those buildings are absolutely perfect for that moment there and then but over time you just have to be conscious you might have to che- it depends how long you're going to be in this game we've been in it for 18 years now so over time things change so you just have to build more and more flexibility and not just for the customer but for yourself as the investor so that you don't have to completely rip everything out and start again right so I'm going to go through a few things that I've learned on this project and give you some updates. And I guess really kind of just a bit of the experience that's been happening so that maybe you can relate that to any projects you're starting to do or thinking about doing. So the first thing I want to put right out there, of course, is it takes a huge amount of time and it always takes longer than you think. And of course, a few other things get thrown in like covid other projects and priorities and we were quite lucky in that we were able to mitigate our rates liability on this building reasonably well to allow us to concentrate on the design and get it right but also to prioritize other projects where the roi was maybe a little bit higher or needed doing sooner anyway parking that our design has changed and evolved and that's As we've gone through this project, so not just in general, but as we've actually gone through delivering this project, my my design elements have been changing how I'm doing it. Now, that is a bit of a flaw of mine, changing things as we go along, as the team, I'm sure, would attest. But I like that flexibility because it allows us to get things as optimal as possible based on customer feedback as they're coming through the doors, doing viewings, all that sort of stuff. And of course, when you discover what the building is actually like. So market research threw up a few things about pricing and product offers from competitors or, or at least in the marketplace. And I worked out where I thought the gaps were in the local market. And we've targeted those. So our product, if you will, is different than anything else that's on that marketplace. But what I did do was in terms of pricing, I took the average price Across what I felt with the competitors, even though they were maybe a different quality of product, but I thought of the competitors, or at least the choice for customers. And then I used the average to work out whether this project was going to make any money. That's what I tend to do when I'm looking at new areas. I, I, I think I've got an idea on what our product might achieve. But what I'm going to do is, if we didn't do that and we got the average score in this market, can the project still work? I don't want to be punching above our Um, above the market as a baseline. I want to make sure my baseline is low so that if we do manage to achieve the higher level, fantastic, right? But it reduces the risk to us. So our model, as I say, is changing and and I will be going into that in um, in a deep dive session on another episode. But tech is having an impact as well as those customer demands. And as I say, there'll be more on that to come in another podcast. But basically, this project's been managed by Our own team. And that's really helped because we haven't had a main contractor and lots of change orders and all that sort of thing because I change things, right? But we have had to do new electrics throughout the whole building and new um, Cat5 cabling, even though there was lots in there. New fibre, even though there was fibre in there. It's fine looking around these buildings saying, oh, yeah, I can use that. I can use that. Mm, Not all the time. Not all the time. Even the fire system I thought we could use. Nope. In the end, the bleeding things had to come out and it looks like it might even be the same for the security system. But hey, that's the way it is. So when you're looking around these buildings and you, for instance, you see a fibre connection, doesn't mean you can use it. And when you're looking at the electrics, they might look new, but that doesn't always mean you can use it because your changes and how you're going to reformat the space might just mean that actually you have to start again. Frustrating, I know. The heating wasn't so bad, tweaks, radiators moved, that sort of thing. In time, fullness of time, we will have to replace those boilers, I know that. But right now, we've got capacity to make this building work. And we're really lucky with access flooring and suspended ceilings. Now, we've had to take them out, suspended ceilings, we're going to put new ones in, or we have put in new ones. And there's some places where we've left the ceiling exposed, we've got a concrete slab underside I quite like that we've put that in our business lounge or left that in our business lounge exposed it gives us a higher height it's a bit more quirky but more modern look so I'm I'm looking forward to getting customer feedback on that but anyway the access floorings the spending ceilings has been a breath of fresh air from coming from a B-listed property where everything is two foot thick and made of stone because you can't get any services anywhere so it's been great to be able to do that it has cut down costs and allowed us to put in capacity there for uh, future movements and changes. Put things where we want to rather than where the building dictates the need to go. Anyway, um, front loading. So basically we've had to spend, I would say, a disproportionate amount on this first phase because we've had to do landscaping, toilets, heating, all those sorts of things to, to work on the whole building, not necessarily installed in the whole building but the heating system needs to be working, the landscaping needs to work and the toilets needs to work for phases one, two and three for phase one. So you've just got front end costs there. So you just have to think about that. But phasing is definitely, I believe, the right way to go. And subsequent phases will be less expensive because we've we've spent that capital on on that initial setup, I guess. We did decide to leave the windows. We were lucky about that. But we did gut out pretty much everything inside. Um, not back to brick, not that kind of gut out, but back to plasterboard. Some of that had to be redone. But it was a big open plan space, so it wasn't too bad. Yes, the spending ceiling went and skip. Um, carpet tiles, these sorts of things which will be replaced or have been replaced but it's meant that we had a pretty open plan uh, floor play, which is great and interestingly I originally thought I'd be replacing fire doors uh, because they just didn't look very modern, They're that kind of older oak look, not a nice oak look an older oak look the the on the doors was a kind of a dark muddy colour, it just didn't look right and I thought alright okay, I, you know X number, £100 for that and that and that and that. But actually, what's turned out is one of the guys on site has been repainting the doors and they look great. They've come up really well. Now, we're going to replace the iron of course, and push plates and all that sort of thing. But actually, the the, the one hour fire doors are looking brilliant. So that's a definite win. Not something I'd thought about um, beforehand. So, as I say, the phase thing really helps. There's three more phases to do on this building. And one of the things I've already learned is we will not be putting so much structured cabling in the next phase, relying much more on Wi-Fi. But that's a tech thing that's changed and is allowing us to focus more in on the customers individually rather than businesses. But I I will come on to that in another podcast just about how that's evolving and our offers changing. Finance, I want to quickly talk on that. It's been on a rolling basis. This building was bought without bank finance. We we used um, private finance for this cash flow and some reserves in the business. It wasn't hugely expensive. This building, um, I, I think I've gone into that on probably a podcast ages ago. But by the time we bought it, it wasn't a bad deal, and we've been able to finance, um, as I say, a pretty good portion of it from our own stuff. But we've had about six investors. Over the piece. So we bought this building back in 2020 during COVID, right during lockdown. And the investors initially, I think there was four. And then since then, some have changed out. And we've brought some new ones in. And interestingly, some of those that went out, did other things have come back in again. And what it made me think about was that often on property courses and property, particularly residential, people always talk about money in at the start of the project, 12 months out. That's how how the model works. And I just thought it was an interesting concept just to bring this up to you. If you can get your money into the business at a reasonable rate, now I'm talking sub-10% here, good sub-10%, then it might be worth considering what if you did it more in a rolling capacity? You don't have to get finance for 12 months or 18 months or whatever it is from private finance. Now, there are certain stipulations around um, SaaS, if you're taking loans from uh, SaaS and security and all that sort of stuff. But just consider it for a second the concept of over time you're swapping in and out investors and not necessarily replacing all that finance with bank funds. Let me ask you a question. Have you heard of SAS pensions? They're a fantastic tool for business owners to wrap a commercial property up in a tax-free bubble. SAS can work particularly well with the CMO strategy to generate money both inside and outside of your pension. It goes without saying, I'm not a SaaS expert, but let me introduce you to someone that is. Bryn Walker has been advising on SaaS pensions for many years and has been a long-term supporter of the CPI network. SaaS and commercial property work incredibly well together, but there are many nuances. And Bryn will make sure you don't stray from the right path. Look in the show notes for the partner link and book up a SaaS discovery call with Bryn. Finance. Just a thought. It has other implications on your bank finance too. For other projects. Anyway. um, So as I say. Nine of those units are now ready. Or pretty much ready. There's four lit. Now that's not quite as many as I would like. It's a good start. In fact we've got one in the next phase let as well. But. We haven't had a finished product to show potential clients. Which has been a challenge. Because it's that first phase. And everything's chaos. You're trying to get it all up to a certain scratch. So that you can open it all. And. That is, of course, about to change because once we have um, got the guys out of phase one, the trades, our customers are in, then it's going to be so much easier to show customers, new potential customers, what's going to be available and what your product is like. So I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be over May and June. June, we should be um, releasing some spaces from phase two. But as I mentioned before in a podcast, I don't want to release it all straight away. We need to have a little bit of a sense of scarcity. So phase two will be ramped up as phase one comes to um, be fully occupied. But we'll, I'll, I'll keep you updated on how that how that progresses. So um, the rental rate's been much better than the medium numbers. I did mention that earlier on. So basically I'd worked out where I thought the market was in terms of price and the quality of the offer out there was not brilliant and that was kind of where the market was, and that's fine. And I thought, well, if we can do better quality product and a different type of offer, what could we charge? So the numbers, everything done on this project when we're doing the due diligence up front was based on the average of those um, other products that are out there in the market. But I knew that our product could have several USPs over it because the market's not particularly... um, competitive, and it's not been shaken up, shall we say. There are no competitors offering what we were talking about doing and what we are doing. So I do feel that even if the pie, i.e. the number of customers out there, is not growing, so business is stagnant, there's not masses of growth going on, you can still take a good proportion of it because you've got a product at the same price as everybody else but much higher quality and offer, right? But that comes down to buying an older building at the right price and being able to develop out of the right price and work out what the product you need to deliver to the market where that gap is. So there's a few plates spinning there, right? But basically, if you can get your numbers to work on on the average of the market, then hey, if you're going to be producing a higher quality product, that's a great thing. Because now, everything's a bonus, right? So basically, we have been very lucky with these first lettings to let out at substantially more than the average rate. And I think the customers are still getting a great deal because we're still in bums and seeds phase. But the product quality is just so different. Now, in time, we'll work out whether there's um, enough demand out there for this product. But I think in the conurbation and where it is and the number of individuals that live in that local area, the number should work. So... I just thought I'd do that for you today, just a quick update really on where that project is. There's lots of other things we've learned about, you know, the fit out, the kit, the contractors, all that sort of stuff. And I will share that with you later. But the thing I wanted to cover next time is more about how our membership model is being redefined each and every building and each and every customer inquiry that we get. Because things are changing out there, and what customers are demanding is changing out there. And some of our older properties that have Um, A slightly different setup or different layout are not performing as well as some of our less efficient in terms of um, net lettable space. I'm getting a wee bit off track here, but instead of having a minimal amount of communal layers, a minimal amount of space that you can't let and maximising the square footage you can let, that can be a great policy. But depending on what product quality you're offering customers are now changing what they're looking for. So I'll come into that on a a future episode, but it's a really interesting change of dynamics in the market and how it's affecting some of our older properties and equally how it's allowing us to work out what customers are looking for right now and they're devouring it. So I will come on to that, as I say, in a future episode. I'm probably going to call it something like our membership model redefined or something like that. So keep, keep an eye out for that. The point is, get yourself, um, what do you call it, subscribed. So when the episodes pop out, they'll drop straight onto your favourite app, wherever you listen to the podcast. And okay, there might be some episodes there you're not interested in, right? But there'll be other ones there that might really make an impact on what it is you're trying to do. So keep subscribed, keep getting those episodes, keep giving us feedback. If there's anything you would like to hear that we haven't covered on the episodes please drop us a message you'll get us on instagram all that sort of stuff's in the show notes but it's jeralexander.commercial is my instagram handle feel free to message me directly or find us on linkedin or indeed if you go in the show notes i think there's one or two other contact places there and of course if you want more information about commercial property you'll see in there our website where you can go and download a few free documents on analyzing markets and also you will see a link to our Facebook group where there's well over a thousand people now who are interested, either actively or interested in looking at doing commercial property. And in there, you'll be able to have discussions with people that are, as I say, maybe a wee, couple of steps further forward than you, ask questions. It's a great forum. It's a private group. It's not a shared open forum. Everybody that comes into that group is vetted as best as we can. Okay, if you see anything going on in there you don't like You need to let us know But we try and monitor that as best we can So that everything that happens in there Is about commercial property So, I hope that episode has been of interest I will do another update a bit further on I'm conscious it's been a while since I've done one of these As I say So I look forward to catching up with you again Really, really soon But right now, make sure you're getting out there And getting in the commercial swim Enjoying the content delivered on the CPI podcast. Even though it's free to listen to, it actually takes quite a bit of time and financial commitment to deliver each and every episode. Did you know that by leaving a positive written review, you, yes, you will have a direct impact on the visibility of the podcast. And that's really important because by reaching a wider audience, it helps our team to continually improve the overall content that we deliver to you week after week. For some of you, leaving a review will be second nature, but for others, it might be a first one. Open your podcast app, pick the CPI podcast and search for previous reviews. And on iTunes in particular, click to look at all of the reviews and then you'll see an option to leave a written review. Go on, it'll only take two minutes and it'll really make our day. And we genuinely read every single one of them.